Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm Angry Jim, here as always with Jack and Kyle. We have a guest tonight who we're going to get to in just a few minutes. But first, let me ask you guys, how were your weekends? Not too bad, Jim. Uh, especially my Halloween party on Saturday. That was a hell of a... I did manage to watch the third period of that game, and that was fantastic. Did you? You had a Halloween party? Yeah, I had a Halloween party. What were you? I was the Mad Hatter. Huh. How, how'd you, get, how'd like you get roped into that? Uh, the wife. And I assume she was uh, Sleeping Beauty or, or Alice. Who is it? Sleeping Beauty. It would be <laughs> Alice, but she was actually the Queen of Hearts, and somebody else was Oof. Alice, and somebody else was the Rabbit. Oof. That's, that's pretty good costumes right there. So how was yeah. it? I got hammered. I mean, I did really... <laughs> It didn't really matter what anybody was wearing once you said your hellos. And then I stumbled into the thing, and the guy had the Sixers on. And I was like, hey, uh, can you check the flyer score? And we just left it on for the rest of the game. It was great. Uh, that sounds like a pretty uh, atypical night right there. Just, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not used costumes. to not knowing what happened in the first time, But I call it what mattered most. Oh, yeah, for sure. Kyle, how was your weekend? Fantastic. Uh, actually, it was at that game. Oh. The Columbus game, I was there. And how was I got it? to watch it unfold live. I'll tell you what. It was awesome, especially in the box. I mean, we were going nuts. I feel like the Wells Fargo Center is still kind of empty. Like, really? I, like not actual asses in seats. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like, because I went to the Sixers home opener. And let me tell you something. There wasn't a damn seat open in that entire stadium i've been to three flyers games now and it's just not i mean i just don't feel the buzz from the philly faithful as much as i would have hoped huh very Hmm. uh interesting there I've only been to one game. It was with Kyle, but we were in a suite, and I was so wrapped up in the fact that I was in a suite that I really didn't notice. <laughs> but apparently, the first that's like the first time the Flyers scored five goals in the third period in like quite a long time. I think it was like 95 or something they said. Uh, has, it, has it been since 95? I might. It's a long time. I'm trying to look it up. They said it during the game. Uh, I was hoping I could type it in and it would pop right up, but I, I'm not seeing it. I'll try, I'll keep looking at it. But you know, one thing we we uh, didn't mention in our notes actually is um, that we should talk about is the play of Kevin Hayes. I mean, because he, he's the one who really that sh- the shorthanded stuff is fantastic. Like, I really haven't seen that since Mike Richards. And his goal to put the Flyers ahead, down, a, a, you know, killing a penalty, tied at four when you think, oh, they tied the game, and here it goes. They're going to give it right back. And then he puts them ahead, and then it was just all systems go, and they just smoked Columbus. So, like, he, he's been fantastic since he's gotten here. Absolutely. Kyle, uh, let me ask you a question since you were there. I mean— when when Hayes scored that goal, I mean, I know you were up in the box, you know, so you couldn't really, you weren't down with the peasants, but did did yeah. the did how, how was the the atmosphere there? Did the roof pop off, or was it loud, or what? The people that were there were going absolutely bonkers, man. I mean, the place was going nuts, and it was before the Hayes goal, 
So they I were, mean, it was when they tied it. It was the game tying goal that really got that place going. And so we didn't. Uh, I I didn't watch the game. Jack caught the third period. I mean, they were down four to two after two. Uh, Tortorella after the game said something like, you know, he he could feel the Flyers were going to come back. The four two lead was kind of smoking mirrors. Did did you guys kind of have that feeling at the game, or or uh, did did the at was the atmosphere kind of you know morose? No. See, I'm so accustomed to watching Flyers of the last ten years that I wasn't exactly sure what the hell was going to happen. Well, they were definitely that... outplaying Columbus, but the chance that they were going to come back in the fashion they did was so far in the back of my mind I didn't even notice until it started to take place. Yeah, and to back up his point, I'm pretty sure it was three to two going into the third. So when Columbus comes out and scores. You're like, uh, here we go, which is exactly what happened in Dallas. Like they scored a Dallas. They were only down three to one. Dallas goes up, uh, or no, they were only down two to one. Dallas goes up three to one, like three minutes into the period, and you just kind of roll your eyes. And they lost that game. So in Columbus, they go up four to two, and you're like, oh, here's the third period, and they're down another goal. But go, I think Ghost got it going with like his first goal of the year. It made it four to three, and then it just kind of took off from there. But right. once you see, once you see that first goal. Like to make it four to two, you're just like, oh, I roll. You know, we've seen how you've seen this before. They're gonna fall asleep. They're gonna wait till it's like five to two, get a goal, maybe two, and then lose. If that's what was going on in my mind. See, I I had my parents in the box, and my dad's a diehard, has been for, geez, he was at the parade, so believe me, mm. I can't, you can't ever get a a negative word out of him about the Flyers, <laughs> really. But uh. We, after the ghost goal, when they were lining up for the draw, I called, I said, you know, I'm really feeling a prover off goal here. And he ended up banking it off of JVR and into the net. And I'm like, that still counts. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right after that, when we went on the penalty kill, my dad looked at me and he goes, I'm feeling a shorthanded goal here. Sure enough, 13 seconds later. They freaking Kevin Hayes pots the shorthanded goal to go up by one. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Why don't we place bets? <laughs> 13 seconds later by number 13. And it was good. He stayed with it, too, because uh, Corpusalo made the initial save, but he just, you know, lifted it over his pad on the rebound there. It was beautiful. On, his, his on Friday the 13th, too. It was Saturday. <laughs> and it, was, it was like last week. Jesus I was just God. trying to chime in there. You guys were. You just, I when I realized there. that it's like it was Saturday and today's the 28th and like Jim's <laughs> I just wanted to be involved well you you weren't at a Halloween party and you didn't watch the game Jim so we're trying <laughs> were you on a date were you on a date come on no I, I went to uh, watch a couple bands play uh, oh. yeah so but I was getting updates all night thanks to uh, Joe Snyder for, for keeping me in the loop there much oh, appreciated yeah so it's about uh, 8.14-ish. We have a, a special guest tonight. I, I don't think – I always forget to say the name in the beginning of the show, but I'm sure if you're listening by now, you've seen uh, us advertise uh, earlier today. Dan Silver is going to join us tonight of the Getting Bullied podcast and Philly is Flyer. So looking forward to that. We're going to give him a call now. So uh, we're going to run a, a quick ad from Anchor, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with our guest. Dan Silver of the Getting Bullied podcast and Philly is Flyer. Dan, how are you? 
I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing great. I mean, uh, besides the game last night, things were looking great all week long. Uh, yeah, I know. We we were exchanging some uh, tweets about how well they were how well they were playing. Some DMs there, and then all of a sudden, you know, last night happens. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, Kyle was just talking about the uh, HW Jinx, and I think we I think we definitely did that last night. I mean, you know, you're expecting them to come out flying last night, and they did. They they scored first within the first what minute and a half. Uh, yeah, the first minute. And then you know, uh, Islanders kind of came right back on them and, and potted too. Uh, so I know we were going to touch on you know the games throughout the week first, but let's just jump right into last night. Let's get it out of the way. Let's get the bad stuff over with first, and then we'll get to the positive. So, I mean, what did you see from these guys last night that looked different from Saturday night and, and you know the games during the week? I mean, the, the def- first there were a couple things. First of all, Carter Hart versus Brian Elliott. I mean, <sighs> Carter Hart just looked... You know, he just didn't look himself last night. And I think, you know, Jim, you had a tweet that he just looked kind of like weird and awkward. That's that's what it looked like. I mean, his positioning was bad. He just doesn't look like his confidence is there. And so, you know, the Flyers score early and then the Islanders get a couple goals back against Hart. And uh, he just he didn't look great. And then combine that with the fact that I just thought their defense was was really bad last night, by and large, to a man. I mean. Sanheim made that great play on the first goal, and he's so good offensively, but then he comes back and he just had an atrocious defensive game. He gets, looks like on one of the goals, he's scared of getting hit, and he, the Islanders turn it over and get it out in front, score a goal. Um, you know, Shane Gostisbehere was just not very good last night. Sam Moran had a great first period, I thought, and then he just kind of fell apart a little bit. I didn't think that, you know, Provorov and Niskanen have been pretty good most of the season but last night the other defensemen just were really bad and I think combine that with Hart and those to me were the main reasons that they just kind of fell apart no doubt I mean uh Kyle we we exchange uh we have a a group chat going on so we were exchanging texts and Kyle I think it was you that was you were quick to point out that Sanheim kind of looked like shit last night yeah besides that opening goal yeah I mean He just kind of looked a little dazed and confused out there. Like, oh, my God, these guys are freaking flying, and I don't know what to do, was kind of how he looked most of the night, aside from that first, which was an outstanding pass for Voracek. For sure. And we've mentioned, uh, I think, on the last couple shows, uh, Jack, I think you pointed this out, that, you know, the, the Flyers' defense is sound, but they just, when they're pressured, they almost don't know what to do with the puck, it looks like, at, at times. Yeah, especially you noticed it with the Islanders. They just could not handle New York just with their tenacity and their speed. And they just struggled with puck battles all night. You know, and the Sandheim play is a perfect example of that. Like he, he, it, it was said perfectly. He looked like he didn't want to get hit, and that led directly to – getting hit and then turning the puck over to pass in front. You're not already not getting the goaltending you need, which was its own issue. And there's just too many defensive breakdowns and they're going to, and when you hearts playing the way he is, that's when the game gets out of hand. That first period was absolutely atrocious. It was really tough to watch after what was such a good start. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, let me ask uh, you guys, and I'll start with Dan first. If, if, if Carter Hart makes those saves, let's say on the first two goals, because uh, I think the third one he didn't really stand a chance. But if he if he makes those saves, does does that game turn out different? You think, or or, or was the team just you know kind of still beat up from the night before? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we saw it so much last year that goalie performances just led to the team's confidence getting deflated. And I think kind of the same thing happened last night. I mean, you had a great start. And to be fair, I mean, the Flyers' schedule is just going to hurt them a lot this year. I think they've got 17 back-to-backs. And so last night they played against the rested Islanders team, and it was a back-to-back for the Flyers. And so you kind of expect them to lose some momentum over the course of the game. So, look, if, if maybe the Flyers still kind of fall apart a little bit in the, you know, the second and third periods, but if, if Hart can make those saves, it's a huge difference. I mean, that's, you're seeing again this year from the Islanders. Like last year, their goaltending, goaltending was so good, and that can make up for a lot. And the same thing last night. I mean, you know, aside from that first goal, Orlamov was, was pretty good, and they've had good goaltending all year so far. So maybe it's just the system or whatever it is, but yeah, when you, your goalie, you have no confidence in him to make a save. It changes the way that you play. So, yeah, I think if Hart, you know, plays better last night, they obviously have a much better shot to win. No doubt. I mean, what did you guys see? Jack and Kyle, I mean, what did you guys see? Did it, did, did, for me, it looked like, you know, New York came in rested. The Flyers, you know, played a tough game the night before, probably spent a lot of energy in that third period trying to come back. You know, after that first couple minutes and they went down 2-1, to one, it, it, it kind of felt like, you know, you, you thought they had a chance to come back because of what they did the night before. But, you know, against that Islanders team, they were just, they were flying. They were big and physical. You know, it felt like it was going to be tough. What did you guys see last night? Well, uh, for sure, I would say, I didn't say they looked tired right away. I think that came later. They came out, they scored that goal. They were, and the reason they got that goal was because Sanheim was active on his forecheck coming into the zone, was able to steal back a pass that was lost and tic-tac-toe, it's in the net. Wow, we're up on nothing. You, They needed uh, Hart to weather the storm a little bit. And I think where they fell off is where that first goal, because it was such a weird first goal. Like Hart had it. It leaks out to his left. And he's really odd. I think he was, like, leaning back, so he couldn't lean sideways fast enough. And just, excuse me, uh, Andres Lee just – you know, willed that puck in. It was just a hard-nosed goal by him, never giving up on the play. Now, after that, Hart looks shaky. The next goal, you see it go off his glove. Like, normally he has that. It's a bad angle. It hits part of his glove, goes in the net. That's where the team gets deflated. Now it's like, really, we're going to have one of these nights? And one thing the team does is they, they don't give up a lot of shots, but the ones they do are premium chances usually. And a lot of those premium chances are by mistakes they make in their own end. So that combined with the bad goaltending leads to a absolutely terrible first period. And then I think the fatigue factor kicked in and they really weren't able to come back at that point. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty, uh, pretty fair assessment there. Uh, Kyle, what did you see uh, last night? It, it really did look like the Islanders were firing on all cylinders and the Flyers came in with a couple of misfires. Yeah. It didn't help Hart. Hart needs to make a couple of those saves, and he's in a rough patch, and we all have faith he's going to get out of it. The kid's really good. I mean, nobody's really all that concerned. So you're yeah. saying not trade him? Oh, my God. Who the fuck said that? <laughs> <laughs> somebody said that? I'm if, sure if, somebody did. If you um kind of scroll through Flyers Facebook, there's all kinds of – Shit from all kinds of mutants on there, man. There's some crazy stuff. But uh, oh no, we can't do that. 
<laughs> Dan, let me ask you because I, I had a question about this uh, during the week. You know, when it was announced that Elliot was going to play against, uh, I, I think it was Chicago, uh, I automatically assumed that Carter Hart would get the start on Saturday against Columbus just to get him in a little bit quicker. You know, play in front of the home crowd. Uh, were you shocked at all? Uh, and and did you agree? I mean, I don't know if it matters that much. You know, with uh, Elliot starting Saturday and and starting Hart uh, on the second of uh, of the back to backs up in New York against a division opponent like the Islanders. I was not shocked at all. I have gone on record this year as saying that I, I think that Brian Elliott. My my prediction before the season started for my quote unquote shocking prediction was that Elliott would be the savior of the season because. I've been kind of trying to temper expectations for people on Carter Hart all mm-hmm. summer. <clears throat> you look at it, almost any you know good 21-year-old rookie goalie, a good 20-year-old rookie goalie had a kind of a sophomore slump. Vasilevsky went through it. Carey Price went through it. And so even if you want to believe that Carter Hart's on that level, which I think there's a long way to go before he proves that, you know, even on, if he was going to be on that level, you could still expect a sophomore slump. And so I've been trying to temper people expect, temper people's expectations just in general going into this season. And then if you want to look just by game by game, I mean, if right now he's really shaky, if, if I've got a player who's really shaky, I probably want to start them on the road instead of at home because you're thinking that maybe at home his nerves are going to maybe get the, get the best of him. So. I probably would have done the same thing if I was Elaine Vigneault. I would have started uh, Elliott at home and, and Hart on the road. But clearly, it's like his state percentage is down at 860. So he's he's going to have to work through this, and the Flyers are going to have to figure out how they're going to handle the workload between him and Elliott. Because right now, yeah, Elliott's got to get the majority of the starts. Uh, and if we were to say this during the summer, I mean. You know, Jack, if, if you heard that Elliot was going to get the majority of the starts for a certain uh, amount of time here, you know, what what kind of thoughts would go through your mind? Well, let me, let me bring it back to when we had the duel. Uh-huh. One of the things that me and uh, Dan talked about, I disliked one thing that uh, Fletcher did. The thing that he disliked was bringing back Elliot. And I tried to calm him down by saying, like, listen, he, if he's not playing 27 games in a row under Haxtell, he should be okay. He's a backup. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, if he is playing all these games in a row now, it's kind of a big deal. While the play is good, I we're all just waiting. In the back of your mind, you know that voice is talking to you like, he's going to get hurt. It's going to be on some random play. He's just going to go down. The, he's been fantastic, better than I thought he'd be, even in his spot starts. But I, that's that's the worry, and I think we all know it's, it's probably coming. I don't know when. could last two months for all I know, playing a ton of games, but it's going to happen. And it's – go ahead. If I could just for a second, because this just this is one of these things that just really bothers me. And I, I over the summer, and I, I assume you're talking about the other Dan who uh, was against bringing back Elliot, because I've yes. been a proponent of bringing him back. I I don't understand the the talk about him being injury prone, because from what I can see, he was basically injury free for most of his NHL career. Then he had a, a a core muscle injury a couple years ago with the Flyers. Ron Hextall rushed him back for the playoffs, and I think he kind of aggravated it. And then over the summer, he had, an, I think, another procedure done, and so they rushed him back at the beginning of last season. 
And he, it's only now that he's basically been able to have a summer to, to recover. And I don't, I don't see him as an injury prone player. Like Michael Neuberg is injury prone. If you want to say, Hey, he's a 34 year old goalie. So he's got a higher injury risk than some other people. That's fine. But there's a lot of 34, 35, 36 year old NHL goalies who don't have the injury issues. I just think it's unfair to label him injury prone because from what I can see, he really only had one injury that the Flyers mismanaged. Well, yeah. And, I would say before his core muscle surgery, he was not an injury from goalie. I believe Haxtell made him. So he's not Neuwirth. I'm not going to go to that extreme. Uh, but it is core muscle surgery, which is a little like your core kind of does everything, especially as a goalie. Um, I, I totally understand what you said about him bring, bringing him back early, especially the debacle we went through last year. But it's definitely in the back of people's minds. Now, I don't think anybody said it like, oh, he's, you know, we're just a matter of time. It's tick. It's the clock's ticking. We need to trade for somebody. But it, I do. It's definitely in the back of people's minds. And I, I agree with you. He wasn't with the Blues with Calgary. He wasn't injury prone. It wasn't until. And I keep. I do say this a lot. When Haxtell played him like 27 games in a row, and then he refused to play Norvis or whatever the hell else he had, had that injury, and it's been ever since then. Uh, yeah, you might be right about the summer uh, having a real summer to himself, uh, and he looks good so far. But when you add the age with a very serious surgery to a very important part of the goalie, uh, a goalie, the core, core of a goalie, basically, uh, I think there is definitely cause for concern. I think that's fair. Um, you know, Dan, I, you know, I heard what you said about Elliot on, uh, I think it was last week's show on, uh, on the Angry Negative show, and. You know, that kind of made me think a little bit. Like, okay, he I guess he hasn't really been injury-prone until he came to the Flyers. And then, you know, I think it'd be fair to say, you know, you know they did mismanage an injury there. Um, and, you know, almost because of that, he's known as injury-prone. Or we're all waiting. You know, or maybe it's maybe it's we're all, uh, you know, looking at – we all think we're looking at Neuverth 2.0 or something. Um, I know for myself – uh, I don't know that I want Brian Elliott starting any more than two games during a week. Um, and, and this week he played in four, so it's kind of like, shit, if, if something does happen to him and Carter Hart looks how he looks, what do they do? Do they call up Alex Lyon or uh, or, or JF, uh, what's his name, JS or JF Baruby? Yeah. So uh, it kind of, I don't know if I want to say it freaks me out, but it, it gives me a an uneasy feeling like, ah, oh, shit, Brian Elliott starting three out of four games this week. You know, what if a game I think like that's a good way to put it, Jim uneasy yeah. because everything that Dan said about, Hey, he was not um, injury prone before he came to the flyers is true, but the, you throw in the core muscle surgery and the debacle we had last year with all the goalies and what have you, <laughs> it, you, you can't help but feel uneasy where he's not in rebirth that let's get that out of the way. It's not that since it's not that serious. At least we don't think. Um, but you can't knock help on wood over there, man. Yeah, well, that's that's what it is. It's just like a, this little thing in the back of your head, like, oh, what if he gets hurt? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have if you're gonna put it on heart. I mean, he's he's so shaky, and the guys on the Phantoms are what now? You know? And they're they're playing pretty well. I mean, they're what are they still above 500? I can't remember what what are they at right now. Like they're right around hovering around 500 basically. So it's. I think uneasy is definitely the word is the right terminology to say in this situation uh, with El, uh, with Elliot, but his play has been has been good. You've heard me say before, like when Elliot shows up to play, he's always been a solid goalie. You know, For sure. it's uh, 
we just thought I I always said I don't want to say injury prone, but I do think that Hackstall starting him all those games in a row definitely hurt him. Um, but hey, you know we'll see. This is a good way to find out. It just if we're if he does get hurt, we're we're in trouble. Hey, I don't know if you guys saw this real quick. I'll mention it real quick. Elliot won a third star of the week this week in the NHL. Rightfully, I did not know that. Rightfully so. Yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty, very cool. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So. uh yeah, so let's move on a little bit here. I mean, you know, it is a big deal. You know, Carter Hart doesn't look right. You know, I hope, you know, I hope he figures it out pretty soon. I know they got like the sports psychologist uh, and stuff like that, but he just, he just doesn't, he doesn't look right. Even during the interviews after the game, he just seems off. You know, and I think what's important to remember is this is still a kid that we're we're looking at here. He's a twenty twenty one year old kid. Um, he doesn't have, you know, maybe he has the game of hockey figured out, but, you know, everything else for him is, is brand new with the traveling and, and, you know, I'm sure he's looking for a place to live, things like that. So he's got a lot going on. Uh, I'm going to assume that he's, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he struggles for another couple of weeks. You know, maybe, maybe he figures it out by Christmas or something like that, you know, once everything kind of settles down. I mean, this team has been nonstop traveling. Uh, they had a, a small, they have, I think they've had the least amount of games in, you know, and they travel the most amount of miles or some bullshit like that. So once ever, I think once everything starts to go back to normal, maybe he'll start to even out a little bit. But he 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 does look off right now. Um, so well, it's let, funny that you said it because they uh, they played very few games in uh, a lot of days, but now it looks like they're going to play a lot of games in very few days. Yeah, and and so I, what I think is is good about that is you know there's less time to think about what happened the night before. Um, you know, as opposed to you know getting lit up on a on a Saturday and not going back in till next Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that kind of you know, and he's proven to do it in the past. I mean, he's played for Team Canada. He played for the obviously the Flyers last year. Um, Bill Melcher was quick to point out to me that uh, he got lit up in a game and got hurt and was out for however long and came back and was you know perfectly fine. Back to Carter Hart. So he has proven that he can, you know, come back and play well. This is just another test that we're going to see how he does. Oof. So enough of the negative stuff because there's a lot of positive stuff to talk about with this team. Um, you know, if we, if we go back and look at some of the games throughout the week, they had a 6-2 win over Vegas, a 4-1 win over Chicago, 7-4 win, come from behind win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, stars are stepping up. They have the secondary scoring firing on, on all cylinders. Let's go back and, and talk about the Vegas game a little bit, if we could, Dan. Uh, 6-2 win. Joel Farabee's first game. Uh, if you can remember back that far, uh, what did you see during that game that really stood out to you about this team? That was one of these games where the, the Flyers always seem to be, at least last year, the games they're winning, they're trailing a lot of the time, and they didn't have very many first-period leads. This game against Vegas stood out to me because – there was never a moment in this game when you ever thought that the Flyers were going to lose. They took it to a very good Golden Knights game from the start. I think they only had one first period goal, Konechny on the power play. Then the second period, they dominated. They got four goals in the second period, and they just poured it on. And those are the kinds of games that you just don't really see from this Flyers team all that often. And so that's why it was so good to see. And the other great thing was that going into that game, one of my big issues with this team was that they only really had two lines that could put the puck in the net. And one of the issues was that they didn't have a third line wingers to, to play with, you know, whoever they were going to have centering that line. And so 
They brought up Joel Farabee, which is way overdue. He should have been up from the start of the season. They bring him up, and now they finally have three scoring lines since uh, they moved Claude Drew back to center just for the time being, probably. But they put Kevin Hayes down at centering the third line, and all of a sudden you've got three lines that can come at you. And when those three lines are going, it's a huge advantage, and that's what happened in that game. And then Michael Roffel also was really good in that game, uh, involved in the offense, and the fourth line pitched in with a couple goals. So that, that game just stood out because they, from the get-go, dominated that game. Elliott made a bunch of big saves early on. And, man, that, that was one of the stronger efforts from this team that I've seen in a while. A, com- a complete from start to finish game there. I mean, uh, you're right. There was never a, a point in that game where you're like, huh, the Flyers are letting off the gas pedal a little bit. I mean, they're up 5 nothing in the third, and they're still trying to score goals. You know, it's just we're not accustomed to seeing that from the Flyers after the last couple of years. Um, let me ask you, since this was the game where Raffle, uh, I think he scored two goals and they ended up giving it back to Provorov. Do you notice anything different from Michael Raffle this year? You know, is it just me that sees it? I keep bringing him up because just because I want to get get guys' opinions on him. But does he look like a different Raffle this year? Well, just for me, I've always been a big fan of Mike Raffle on the fourth line, even sometimes on the third line. Man, he's a big puck control winger who can drive the net when he has to, and he's very solid defensively. Like I've never had any issues with Michael Raffle, and I've always thought he got kind of a bad rep with Flyers fans. But he he's a guy that I. I really like as a fourth line winger who can add in, you know, the goal here or there. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Raffle. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, if they could get him going on, uh, on the fourth line, you know, guys get healthy when they come back, Patrick and, uh, you know, law and eventually, I mean, the, this Flyers team is, is, is loaded from top to bottom <clears throat> on, on four lines. <clears throat> yeah, no, I just want to say on Raffle real quick, he really looks like a, a true veteran now. And he's, I like him on lines with any younger guys. He's like a calming force out there, but he really gets those hard-nosed plays and even goals when he has to. It's like he's learned little tricks along the way. Uh, that goal against Chicago in the first game of the season comes to mind. Um, he's just always in the – seems to always be where he needs to be, and he's always playing his ass off. And like I said before, like when you see him on the bench, he's not chit-chatting. He's, he's gasping for air. <laughs> like, you know, he – really gives it his all. And when you have that kind of player who's that skillful in his own way on the bottom six, that's when you create mismatches. And that's why I, I want to get him with some of our younger guys, like him being on Farabee's line. I really like Farabee with Hayes as well. But, like, I don't know what line you could get together, whether you want Lawton or, or uh, Raffle out there. But this is the kind of guy who can make things happen and you give him some real talent or young talent and, just watch, watch what can happen, and I think that Vegas game was a good example of that. He really helped out his defense and Provorov and guys like that, and that's the kind of raffle I want to see. The kind of raffle that Flyers fans got upset with was when they forced him on the first line and expected him to score a ton, you know. And I, under, I kind of understand that. Like, yeah, it's great when you have an injury, I, but still, like, he's not that kind of player. Like, he's you see now, this is where he should be on the bottom six, and you're seeing the dividends from it. It looks good so far, and and he continues to play well. He had a, I think that was that the same game, or was it the four to one game uh, in Chicago where he blocked the shot with his foot at the end, where the game was already pretty much wrapped up, and he's still going down blocking shots. That was, I want to say that was Chicago. That was Chicago. See, see that that kind of stuff to me says a lot about a player. He's still doing the right things from start to finish. You're up three goals, and and he's blocking shots. You know what I mean? 
It's like his own. It's like I see this. It's like his own Gordy Howe hat trick. You know, <laughs> it's not a fight, but he's still like sacrificing his body for the sake of the team. Yeah, he's after just doing things the right way, no matter what. I mean. After a three point night, you know what I mean? From your from a guy on your third or fourth line, yep. like that, you can't ask for more. No, you really can't. So I, we mentioned Chicago here. Kyle, give me uh, your assessment of the of the Chicago game. Flyers one four one. What'd you see? Well, if <laughs> Hayes knew what the blue line was that game, <laughs> Faraby would have absolutely been on fire. Not that he wasn't, but <laughs> it would have been nice to see him pot his first and get two assists instead of just one assist out of that game. That was a hell of a game. Well, it's funny that you say that. Like you say, what did you see in a Chicago game? They won four to one. Faraby had one assist, and if you ask me what I saw, I saw Joel Faraby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he only had one assist, but Jesus, him and Hayes together. Like, and I know Hayes was responsible for taking two of his points off the board, but still, like, he was doing everything. Even the even the night before, uh, not the night before, the game before in Vegas, we were all talking about how he took that shot instead of passing, where he came into the zone, he uh, he made a little move to the left. And he's like, yeah, I'm the best option here. I'm going to shoot. And he did. Like that for the longest time. Like no flyer would do that shit. They were all trying to pass the puck into the net. And then he played Chicago and he should have had a three-point night. So, yeah, they they won that game. Everybody was great. But in Faraby only had an assist. But he's the number one thing I noticed from that game. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Go ahead, Dan. Are we concerned at all that the the wins for the season – the wins for the Flyers so far this season have come against the Blackhawks, the Devils, the Knights. Obviously, was a good win. Uh, the Blackhawks again, and the Blue Jackets. Who I know they're about five hundred, but uh, I don't. I just don't know how good they are. Dan, I mean, Dan, I I literally took notes on all of this. I can't believe somebody else brought it up. Yeah, I mean. You know their their underlying numbers have been very good this season, and and I love the way that they can now roll three lines, and I think that bringing up Faraby makes a difference. But you know, they I need to see them. Look, here's they're they're coming up to an important stretch. It's early in the season, but they play, you know, six seven of their next eight eight games are against really good teams. They play the Penguins, the Leafs, the Canes, the Canadians, the Leafs, the Bruins, and the Caps. So. This next eight-game stretch, they only have one game against a bad team, which is the Devils. I think we're going to find out a lot more about who this Flyers team is in the next eight games. I could not agree with you more. I, I'm going to run down some of the and lost to their records. Chicago is 3-5-2. and two. We beat them twice. New Jersey is 2-5-2. and two. We beat them. Vancouver is 6-3-1. and one. We lost to them. Calgary is 6-5 and 2, we lost to them. Edmonton is 8-3 and 1, we lost to them. Dallas is 4-8 and 1, who had I don't think they had a win at the time, so we sparked them to get three more wins, but they still have a bad record. Vegas is 8 and 5. Vegas started a third string goalie against us. Uh, Columbus is 5-4 and 2. Uh, oh, and by the way, Vegas Marc-Andre Fleury is 8 and 3. The backups are 0 and 2. Um, Columbus, yeah, they're 5-4 and 2. But we all expect them to be pretty – they shouldn't miss the playoffs this year based on who they lost. And then they lost to the Islanders last night, who are 8-3 and three now. So I totally agree about that. And, yeah, we play Pittsburgh tomorrow, who we always do so wonderful against. And then, yeah, you got the Devils, but after that it's an onslaught. Toronto, Boston, and then just take your pick after that. So, yeah. yeah. And we're going to need to start hard a couple of times as well. So I am curious to see how this pans out. So I'll ask you guys – 
uh, what do you guys think of what we basically just talked about? I uh, pointed something like this out, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, the Flyers beat, I think it was the Devils and the Blackhawks, and, you know, maybe I like, jumped the gun a little bit, but, you know, and everyone's really excited because of the hot start, and they looked great. All I did was point out the fact that they beat, you know, two teams like the Devils and the Blackhawks, and they got tuned up, or they didn't look great against teams like the Flames and the, the Canucks, and then they ended up getting lit up against uh, a team like the Oilers. Um you know, all I did was point it out. I didn't say if, if it was a positive or a negative about the team. I just pointed it out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got angry about that, you know, because, you know, it feels good, you know. When the, when the team looks good, you want to feel good. You want to be positive. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm a fan just like everybody else. I want to feel good about this team. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I look at stuff, you know, and I look for, for games in the future, and I'm like, you know what, they, they didn't really beat great teams, you know, and, and good teams are supposed to beat bad teams, and they pretty much mopped the floor with the Devils, Blackhawks, um, you know, and then you saw it this week, you know, Jack, as you mentioned, the, the Golden Knights started a third stringer, um, so I, I think I even put out a tweet, if they didn't score five or six goals, I, I would have been upset. You know, even if they even if they won, if they would have won two to one or three to one, I would have been like, dude, you, you started against a third string goalie. You got to put some goals in against them, and they did. So props off to the Flyers. Um, during the week, they beat Chicago again, uh, another bad team. Which you know, usually when you face a, a team for the second time, uh, you expect to get more of a fight than the Flyers got from Chicago. They just they just look really bad, the Blackhawks. Um, so I chalked that up to a game that I expected them to win. Not, It wasn't really a statement kind of game. Uh, you know, the Blue Jackets made the playoffs last year. Uh, Flyers showed some, uh, I guess, heart uh, and came back in 1-7-4. They showed some fight, whereas, you know, last year they go down 4-2. It's kind of like put a fork in them, you know. Uh, and then I think, you know, last night for me would have been their first real, real test. You know, I, I almost gave them a pass for the, the games up in Canada because of all the, the, the BS traveling and time changing. Um, but last night, I think, was their first real test, at least divisional-wise, after Columbus, and they got smoked. You know, and, and it's very easy to come up with excuses, like, oh, well, they played the night before, or, you know, Carter Hart didn't, you know, he's, he's rusty, or he doesn't look right, and blah, blah, blah. You can come up with all the excuses in the world. The, the fact is, they, they got blown out of the water last night, you know, and they lost 5-3. So that's a, a really good point by you, Dan. Um, just want to make note that that was not me that brought that up. That was Dan Silver that brought that up, everybody. I fully didn't even ask him to bring it up. <laughs> and I didn't even ask. Yeah, but I mean, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just something to point out, and it's, it's being real, a little bit realistic here, you know. I think well, it's, it's, let me say this real quick, Jim. What scares me about what he brought up is not so much the teams, but the players that are on some of these teams were about to play. Crosby, Malkin, you know, Marshan, Bergeron, Matthew. Malkin. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. But you get the idea. Uh, Tavares. The Flyers give up premium, premium chances when they do allow shots on goal. And these teams could make us straight up look silly, especially if the defense is scared to get hit, having trouble getting the puck out of their own end. Well, I told you, if you just put pressure on this team, they're going to they usually fold and 
you've seen it on a penalty kill. Like one or two guys goes back there against the whole team and they're all in shambles and they lose like a minute off the power play. And a five on five, it's even worse. And I feel like it, you know, they make stupid passes and a lot of times it's to directly to the other team. And you do that against these juggernaut teams, you know, they're going to be in trouble. I love everybody just, loves how LA's been playing, but is he being able to keep that up against those guys? I don't know. Just a really quick aside. At, at what point does uh, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron enter the conversation as like one of the best NHL lines of all time? Because what those guys are doing right now is ridiculous. I think they combined for like 15, 14 or 15 points last night. Oh I mean, my that, God. that line, when you, there's a lot of duos, like you got Dreisaitl and McDavid, but but yeah, last night, I think Pasternak had a hat trick and an assist, and Marshan had two goals and three assists, and Bergeron had like five assists. Or so. I mean, it's just that line is silly. You know what's insane is, is Bergeron's having his best years now. Like the last two or three years, he never scored over 60 points before. Yeah, and he's 34 years old. I think that line just has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, that it's just silly what those, those three are doing. Absolutely, man. But you know what? Like, you know, we're, we're it sounds like we're being negative. We're not being negative here. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to counter with a little bit of positivity here because, you know, earlier on, you know, when I also when I pointed out that, you know, the Flyers beat some bad teams, I also pointed out that their top scorers were not scoring. They weren't performing the way that you would expect your top scorers um, to score. Uh, and, you know, this past week. You know they absolutely blew up in a in a big way, um, so I, I have a, some stats here. The, and the guys that I'm I'm mainly looking at are JVR, Voracek, Giroux, Hayes. Um, I think last week's episode uh, I went on a, a small rant about JVR, and I apologized on Twitter because uh, I know JVR you follow and you listen. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. But you know this past week I think was a really really big week, and it. What I saw from this team is just how dangerous this team can be offensively. I mean, I'm looking at a lineup with, with JVR, uh, the potential, uh, potential 30-goal score. We've got Jake Voracek on there. You expect him to score between 65, 70 points a season. Uh, who's looked pretty, uh, pretty great offensively this last week. I gave him enough shit. You know, you got to give some credit where credit's due. Voracek's looked very solid. Um, Claude Giroux, the captain, coming through with a couple goals. Uh, and, and Kevin Hayes. I mean, guys, like, when when the Flyers traded for Kevin Hayes and signed him to that big deal, weren't we all kind of, like, a little bit disappointed or, some, or in a way? Dan, how did you feel? No. The, go ahead. Uh, no, I was not disappointed at all. I mean, I, I, Me I, feel like, I, I feel like a lot of Flyers fans who were commenting on the Kevin Hayes deal, and this is, look, if, if I'm wrong, that's no issue, but – I feel like a lot of the Flyers fans who were outraged about this deal had not spent a lot of time watching Kevin Hayes play because he's a monster. And over the summer, I compared him to Keith Primo. And now I think a lot of people are starting to compare him to Keith Primo because he I think people were looking at the point totals and being like, we just paid seven million for a guy that, you know, just at the age of 26, finally scored 50 points or something. And it's there's so much more. To, to hockey than just points. And when you watch Kevin Hayes, he's been the Flyers' best forward the last few games because he he's power play, shorthanded, even strength. He's just a monster on the puck. 
He's so hard to knock off the puck. And I think he's still plagued by a little bit of inconsistency, but Primo is kind of the same way. But when he's on, I mean, he's he's just such a force. And he's arguably been better than Couturier's been so far this year. So I, I just think that Flyers fans hadn't seen enough of him play or honed in on enough of him. And he's also the kind of player who has really blossomed with age. And so I think signing him to a seven-year deal at the age of 27 is – He's, he's obviously not going to be as good the, the last few years, but we just talked about Bergeron's 34 years old, and I'm not saying that Hayes is the same kind of player, but I'm just not as concerned about Hayes moving forward. And I think that a lot of Flyers fans are seeing what I was maybe trying to point out over the summer, just about his all-around play. Everything that you just said, I'm guilty of. And I, <laughs> no, I'm being dead serious. Like I, When they signed Hayes, I was underwhelmed. You know, I saw the big contract. I saw the point totals. I'm like, you know, he didn't do. He was getting benched in the playoffs last year, if I remember right. And I'm like, did did we just overpay for a guy that's going to score 50, 55 points? And then actually seeing him play, it's like, dude, this guy can this guy can fucking play. You know, and all facets of the game, power play, PK. You know, five on five. I don't think we're talking enough about how this team's performing five on five. You know, but but we'll stay on Kevin Hayes a little bit here, Kyle. You know, you met, you were you were going to say that you felt the same way Dan did. How did you feel uh, when when the Flyers signed Kevin Hayes? Could you foresee this, or you know, how'd you feel? Do you do you not remember me talking you off the ledge, dude? I, after they signed him I don't via rem- texting, back- <laughs> I don't remember what I did last week, man. <laughs> this is a valid point. Dude, you were freaking out about it. And I'm like texting you like, dude, calm down. He's one of the most consistent all-around players in the NHL right now. No, he's not going to put up 80 points. But that's not what it was about. It was about adding consistency to a lineup that was obnoxiously inconsistent from top to bottom. I I think that one piece of information, too, that the Flyers had that at that time none of us had was that they absolutely when they when they traded that fifth round pick for the negotiating rights for Kevin Hayes they absolutely knew that Nolan Patrick that there was a chance that he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season I've got it on pretty good sources that the Flyers knew what was going on with him that he was having these migraines and didn't know what to do about them and so I think they already thought that they needed to get a second line center but I think Knowing what they knew about Patrick, I think it was even more important. And you looked, and it was only Duchesne, um, Hayes, and uh, Pavelski out there as the the really good second-line centers in free agency. And so I think that made it even more important to get him. Uh, So I just think that's another thing to add. Although one thing I'll also say is it still doesn't make sense to me why the Jets weren't playing as much in the playoffs. It might have something to do with the fact that I – I have seen inconsistency from him over the course of his career. So hopefully that'll change. But that that's my one that'd be my one criticism of him is just the inconsistency. Yeah, no, I but mean never, I when they traded for Hayes. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I never saw inconsistency with Kevin Hayes under Elaine Vignon with the Rangers. It's a good point. Yeah, no, when they traded for Hayes, uh, we definitely needed a center and I was definitely excited for it. Uh, when the contract came out, I kind of uh, cringe. I don't want to say cringe. It's too strong of a reaction, but I was a little nervous because we have so many uh, guys we have to to sign coming up, and I'm worried about the cap and Fletcher. You know, Hextall spent a lot of times 
getting rid of some cap numbers, and uh, Fletcher did everything in his power to fill it right back up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, part of my reasoning was I was worried. I'm saying, you know, Patrick's the second overall pick of the draft. You got this guy for seven years, hoping that Patrick overtakes him as your second line center. So now you're paying your third line center this much money. Well, Dan, you brought up a good point. We didn't know what was going on with Noel Patrick at the time. So it makes all the more sense now. And on top of that, some of the inconsistency I thought we 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 hoped was that the Rangers were like a last place team. They weren't doing very well, and he was just kind of going with emotions, knowing he was not going to come back next year, or at least didn't think he was. Uh, we hope that wasn't something that would carry over. He is getting older. Kyle brought up a good point about Alevin Yo, but it wasn't just Flyers fans who were iffy about that contract. There was a lot of guys out there in the the you know just the the, the other medias that didn't like how much we gave him and for how long. And, so, and some casual fans, some of the contracts they, they thought he would sign for were kind of hysterical. I'm like, you realize he is a free agent, right? This isn't a restricted deal or nothing. Um, but all that being said, he, he yeah, I totally agree with what you said. He's probably the better player right now than even Konechny because all that's offensive where Hayes is doing it for you in all three zones. And the fact that – and I brought this, off with the, brought this up with these guys – He's doing things on the penalty kill I haven't seen since Mike Richards. Seriously. Like, the penalty kill has been so bad for so long. And even when it was okay, we really weren't getting our, our uh, shorthanded goals. And just that goal with Columbus, it was just it, – it, the momentum swing. I mean, yeah, they had come back. But we've seen them come back or almost come back and not pull it off. But to take the lead while you're killing a penalty and he's just – He's like one of my favorite players right now to watch. And I want Farabee with him because I saw what Farabee was capable of and what he's doing. And I told, I definitely liked him when we got him. I had my reservations when they got, gave him the contract they gave him. But I think I'm on board the train now too. Like he's, if everything you can say that is good, I mean, Hayes is like top, right there at the top. Him and Konechny and, you know, let's pick something else, but Elliot, I guess, like those three players in Limbaugh, those guys are like leading this team right now by a lot. What's cool though, dude, is you could keep going with that list. Like you named TK, you named Limbaugh, you named, you named Elliot, you named Hayes. Like this past week, you could add JVR to that list. You could add Voracek to the list. I mean, Giroux, if you ask me, Claude Giroux's quietly put up seven points, right? Like, if you think think about the Flyers, the guys that come to mind is TK. You know, Hayes had that big goal the other night. Uh, Voracek got him on the board last night. You know, uh, but Giroux's got uh, seven points. I think I think a week ago he only had like two or three, something like that. So, I mean, the the captain's quietly leading the way here. Um, if, if I can real quick, and, and, and Dan, I know we're coming up on uh, just about 45 minutes an hour. Um, does this team look like they're having fun to you? they certainly look like they're having a lot more fun than they have in the past. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think that, I think with Scott Gordon, probably it was, it was only a, a part of a season, but I, I think they like playing for him more than Hextall. But man, it just, it seemed like Hextall kept everything so under wraps and Hextall was, had this, you know, dealt with it the same way, probably because he was scared of Hextall or, or I'm not sure, but yeah, they just looked like they're having so much more fun. And you talk about the forwards, and now you can go on and on. I mean, the, right now, the, the the Flyers group of forwards is just really strong. And it's it's the least of my concerns. Because if 
I, if they start struggling, you've got guys like Morgan Frost who could come up at some point this season to help oh, out. Yeah, they got goosebumps. And, yeah, and Germán Rupsov. It's their their forwards are just so good. I think it's it's going to come down to you know goaltending, obviously, and and the defense. It's at some point I think they're going to have to bring Phil Myers up because he's I'm sorry, but he's better than. Hey, he's better than <laughs> what, the, what the hell are you sorry for, man? I think everybody agrees yeah, with you. Well, no, everybody doesn't agree with you based on, <laughs> oh based God, on Twitter. But it's yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you know what it is. Phil Myers is the exact opposite of guys like Vorobiev and Torinsky. He has a bad camp, but he plays well with the Phantoms. You know, everybody else has a good camp. I don't and think he had a bad play. camp though. I think he just didn't like quote unquote blow them away. If but he feel- had some rough spots, though. He he was caught looking a few times, and he had a bad. He had a good game the last game of the preseason, but I think their minds were already made up at that point. Yeah, I think that the problem is is that with guys like him, it's not a matter of okay, who was better in camp, him or Haig. It's a matter of like how by how much did Myers outplay Haig by, and it wasn't enough of a you know cushion then what they wanted to see. But to, to my eyes, for a team that's just trying to win hockey games, that's faulty logic because you want to have the better guys in the lineup. That's why I wanted Farabee in the lineup from the start. And it, it is what it is because I think that they're going to correct these issues early on. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what the defense group is that plays in the next game. If they try and get Hague in the lineup and if they try and do it by taking Ghost out or Moran back out, it's going to be interesting because, like I said, Provorov and Niskanen have been the only two guys that have been fairly consistent this year, and I don't think Braun's coming out of the lineup. But the other guys, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think Sandheim will come out, but you never know. He had a pretty bad game. Yeah, no, and no, my only point about Myers is, it's, I mean, I didn't love his camp. I do think it was his spot to lose, and I think he only lost it because, he, yeah, he didn't blow, you know, necessarily blow them away, but I also think it was a cap thing. Um, you know, with uh, Hag and uh, Moran. But my main point was, like, when the season rolls around, he plays well with the fans, and I, he played pretty decently with the Flyers last year, I guess. But, like, he plays well during the season where other guys who tend to make the team out of camp kind of fall off. We saw that last year at Vorobiev. He came up again. He's been sent down again already. Torwinski, Bunneman, like, those guys, they have a great camp, and they can't really hang throughout the season, where Myers at least with the Phantom so far, plays well. It's just his camp isn't what they expected, but he does play well during the season itself. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. They need to do something on defense because that's one of their biggest weaknesses right now. They're, they have fixed things. They have been better at the transition game, but they, when they get pressure in their own zone, it, it, hold your breath. And, and especially going up against some of these teams and some of the players that these teams have – and with our shaky goaltending, because, you know, we can't have Elliott in every time, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, I'd be more than happy to see what they do on D and call up a guy like Myers. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you guys remember, I mean, uh, obviously I would love for the Flyers to win a Stanley Cup. That's that's the ultimate goal, right? But, you know, and, and this kind of ties into with, why I felt the way I did about the Hayes signing is, you know, I I originally wanted them to go after a guy like Duchesne, and you know, I'm I'm happily wrong about Hayes. Okay, um, what I really wanted to see because I understand that a Stanley Cup this year was maybe 
it's it's a little bit unrealistic. You know, they're going to need at least a year in a new system, and maybe in, you know next year they can make a push. You know, Hart's going to struggle, but I just want to watch exciting hockey again. And you know, that's what we have. I think you know we're talking about. We just ran down that list of you know offense, and then that's not even mentioning uh, guys like Provorov's having a solid year. Uh, Sandheim should take a step forward. Matt Niskanen looks uh, very solid so far. Um, and then he, we have guys that we haven't even really talked about, like Sean Couturier. You know, he's quietly has five points on the year. He still needs to, uh, you know, get it going a little bit. Not complaining, you know, but it just shows you how deep this team could be offensively that if they just, you know, get it together a little bit defensively, the Flyers, I, I really do believe, could make some noise. I really believe that. Um <coughs> You know, they got to get the goaltending situation figured out. Uh, let me ask you, Dan, because, you know, there's there's a guy on the team. He's kind of been a lightning rod for um, for criticism if you're not a fan of him. And, you know, if you are a fan of him, he kind of can do no wrong. Um, what's your assessment of, of Shane Gossespierre's play so far? And uh, you mentioned possibly sitting him uh, in the next game coming up. Uh, he's getting paid $4 million a year. Is he a possible trade candidate? You know, he's just one of these guys that I can't figure out. I mean, he it was funny. I was at the game. I was at the NCAA Frozen Four championship game, which was uh, at the First Union Center, the Flyers, uh, whatever they call it now, it was the Flyers, uh, the Wells Fargo. He, uh, he the, His team won, Union won like seven to six. He had like five points. He was absolutely incredible. And he, and he just you know, basically carried that momentum into the beginning of his NHL career with the Flyers. I mean, his first few seasons were so good. And he's been, I mean, last year was, he wasn't very good. He's had issues with our coaches. I thought that in preseason, I thought that he was arguably the best player on the team during the the preseason. I thought he was really, really good. And I thought he was going to have a huge season. And he just, it hasn't materialized yet. He scored a huge goal against Columbus but then he came back and just didn't really play very well against the Islanders. Not that many of our guys played well. And he is really, you know, he's one of these guys that Flyers fans are split on. A lot of people wanted him traded over the summer. I never really thought he was going to get traded because you mentioned how much money he makes, $4 million. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you were saying it meaning a lot or a little, but, like, his contract would be very appealing to a lot of teams because he, I think today on Twitter you asked, you know, what are people scared of? if we got rid of him, like, is he a guy who would come back and burn us? And he, I I feel like he is the kind of guy who, like he had a season where he was top five among all NHL defensemen in scoring. There's no reason that he can't do that again. Like the ability is there for him. He's just, it's, he's so in his own head a lot of the time. I, I think that's his main issue is he just gets in his own head and, I don't know what the solution is because he's not a young player anymore. He's kind of like median age, just kind of like Sean Couturier, but he, I, I just really hope he can figure it out with the Flyers because he is a guy that I think if they give up on him, he could go somewhere else and you know become the. It wouldn't surprise me if two years down the road he's got more points than any other NHL defenseman. So let me ask you a question, and I, I think I asked somebody else today uh, on Twitter. We were having, you know, and it's kind of rare, but we were having a friendly conversation about Shane Gossespear. He, you know, he's obviously a fan of Gossespear, and you know. Uh, I'm I'm not necessarily a fan. That doesn't mean I'm not rooting for him though. So that, you know, I don't want people to get confused with that. I want him to succeed. I'm just not as confident as as Dan might be. Um, what what has he shown you over the course of four years um, that would tell you that 
you know, he would consistently burn the Flyers year in and year out. You know, what? Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not necessarily confident that he is going to ever fully realize his potential on a consistent basis. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm confident. What I'm confident in is that he has the skill to put it all together. Like mm-hmm. if you if you said, oh, OK, you know what? The Flyers are going to trade, um, you know, whoever the Flyers are going to trade like Robert Haig or Sam Moran. Like, I wouldn't have any concern that they would regret doing that. But Shane, Shane Goss is bare 2017, 2018. He scored 65 points in 78 games. He was one of the leading defenseman scorers in the league, and that was at the age of 24. You look around the NHL, and a lot of the leading defenseman scorers, at least last year, were like over the age of 30. So a lot of defensemen really mature late, and so he's still only 26 years old right now. So you'd be giving up on him, you know, probably before he hits what's supposed to be his prime. And I mean, like I said, you look at the season he had two years ago, he's an explosive player. He's got an explosive shot. Uh, on the power play, he's got a terrific shot. The Flyers are that top unit is still struggling a little bit, but you know he's got a great shot from the point. He's very shifty. Uh, he's good at carrying the puck up the ice. His numbers for controlled exits are really good. I just think that he's a very talented offensive player, and I don't think he's quite as bad defensively as a lot of people think. The question is, can he become a consistent player? And so, I don't think it's for sure that if they traded him. It'd come back to to burn them, and he would, you know, go to whatever team and light it up. But the possibility's there. Where, like, if you trade a guy like Haig or Morant, that it's it's not going to come back to haunt you. I think people are more scared of these guys who have the offensive potential that they can come back and haunt you. No, I agree with that. I understand what you're saying there. I'd be more comfortable trading a Haig or or Morant because I feel like the the ceiling is definitely a lot lower. You know. Uh, now with with Gossespear, I feel like if you're going to start sitting him, and, and I wasn't, um, you know, four million dollars for a defenseman of his potential, I think is a great deal, but I'm just, you know, kind of wary of it. if they start sitting him and he's making four million. I think the next thing would be, I would assume they're looking to move him, but you know, so I I think four four million for for Ghost is is fair for what we're getting from him now. <coughs> um, I think under AV. I was hoping that he finds his way. I, I kind of like how Elaine Vigneault is kind of highlighting his players' strengths. I think, uh, you know, guys like playing for him. So I, I expected Ghost to to look a little bit better. Maybe I, I should temper my expectations a little bit because, you know, I have to remember they're all learning a new system and blah, blah, blah. And they played a completely different way under Hackstall uh, where they kind of filtered shots to the point and, you know, Ghost is back there with that cannon. Uh now I'm not so sure they're they're not really filtering shots to ghost anymore. So it's like not that you don't need that shot, but you know he just might not need it as often as they did under Hackstall. Is that does that make sense? <clears throat> well, yeah, they don't run that system anymore. It's it's different now. And what the scary part is, ghost when he shoots, he looks like Happy Gilmore. He's got all the power in the world, but it's hitting glass. And it's tough because, yeah, he did have 65 points and he was this amazing defenseman. And I still remember his, his quote unquote rookie year when he came up and he was taking the league by storm. And he almost, you know, he was like number three in the rookie of the year voting when the other two guys were Panarin and McDavid. It was exciting, man. I loved Ghost that year. Yeah. I, there's one play in particular where I remember he beat Toronto in overtime, you know, oh, and he yeah. just 
took it upon himself, fired through the, you know, five hole. But when he has the puck, especially in his own zone, Jesus Christ. Now, there are times when he's given a, a little bit of open ice that, he, you know, he'll do his little stutter step and all that and be okay. But he makes some really bad decisions. I've seen him turn around, not not to do a spinorama, just turn his back to the defenseman, and the puck stays, and he keeps going. Now it's a race for the puck. Uh, he, he's just he's been lately a really bad decision maker. He doesn't pass where he should. Good, and he pinches at the wrong time. That breakaway the other day was a bad pinch. Uh, pinch more, and it definitely didn't help him. But <laughs> it's it's just like where you look. What he does give you, and he's not giving you anything, and where his deficiencies are, his deficiencies are glaring. And, but that being said, like if I traded Ghost, I would want to get something significant in return. You consider the the uh, contract itself. If I trade Moran or Hag, I'm looking at like what, if, uh, some kind of pick, a third, a fourth, you know, depending on the, who and what and whatever. If I trade Ghost, I'm like, yeah, am I getting like a second line winger? <laughs> like, I, it, it, there's a lot of variables that go in there: age, contract, whatever. Um, but it's tough. He is the kind of guy to come back and bite you. And I think at this point, they're just they just got to keep him. And you just got to. You're making. You don't have a lot of money to work with because you, you spend everything this off season. He's on a reasonable deal. You hope he can work himself out of it. You find him the right defensive partner, and you you can get something. But I will say what I've seen last year and this year, I, I understand why he's a lightning rod. And he's really got to get out of his own head, and I really hope he figures it out because he is a trifecta of mistakes sometimes. And it's, people are guilty of this, but you talk about what the Flyers need to beat these better teams because they got the offense, and he's, he's one of the number one culprits to come to mind defensively in his own zone and – yeah, the potential's there, so you don't want to let go. But how much are you going to put up with? And the contract's good, and there's so many variables with him. I do think they end up just keeping him. I'm hoping he works it out. But how long do you really give that to him until you have to – I don't know. He's not – he's a Hextall guy. He's not a Fletcher guy. And I, I don't know. And it's it's a shame because if he was on, can you imagine how this offense would really look? It's just That's what I want to see. Uh, that's really what I want to see, man. I, I want Ghost to figure it out offensively. As much shit as I talk on Shane Goss' spare, dude, it's almost kind of like, it's kind of like a little bit of resentment, all right? Because he did score 65 points. And I'm not sure if it's fair to expect 65 points from him every year. I think that's kind of where some of my anger with, with Ghost comes from, okay? Because maybe it was a little bit fluky, 65. Maybe he's a 55, 60, 50 point guy. And if he's a 50-point guy, I'll be more than happy with that, all right? Um, but I want to see 50 points, you know? Like, this this team could be one of the best offensive teams in the friggin' NHL, which would be exciting to watch, you know? I think, you know, and it's the same thing with Voracek a little bit. I'm not ragging on anybody, but you see potential with him, and you see how good he can be. This past week, you've seen how, how good Voracek can be. We just want to see it consistently now. Like, where is it, dude? Like, bring it back. Once, once you get a taste of something so good, you, you want it all the time. And, and it's kind of like, dude, where is it? Where you flash in the pan? Like, it, just something's different. And where my frustration with Ghost comes in is, is that. You know he can be great. He's shown that he can be great. What, what are we watching right now? You know what I mean? That's where my frustration comes. So... 
let's move off from Ghost a little bit. We'll wrap this up. Uh, I don't want to keep Dan any longer. I had told him an hour. We're, we're coming up a little bit over an hour here. Um, three, some tough games we mentioned earlier in the show. Tuesday night, tomorrow night, we got the friggin' Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we got the Devils on Friday. And then, of course, a back-to-back. We got Toronto on Saturday. Dan, how do you see these games going? Man, I it's hard to predict with this team. You know, I mean, I I'd like to think they'd go into they they tend to play Pittsburgh pretty well. I don't know what it is, but in, I, I feel in like Pittsburgh they too. yeah, I feel like they've been playing Pittsburgh pretty well. So I think you could see them, you know, beat the Penguins and then beat the Devils again. Maybe a, maybe a shootout against the Devils, um, and then you've got the the three home games: the Leafs, the Canes, and the Canadians. So I I don't know. I've sort of I did predict the Knights score and the Blackhawks score pretty close, but I've kind of given up trying to predict this. Team. I was going to say, did I you just... want to give a score prediction? Go ahead. <sighs> All right, I'll give you a Penguin. <laughs> I'll give you a Penguin score prediction. I, I think right. that um, I think they'll beat the Penguins four to two. Yeah, baby. So that's that's what I'll go with there. Well, but Dan, I, let me ask you this real quick. Predict. Yep. Let me ask you this real quick. So is it three to two? Flyers get an empty netter, or is it four to one and Penguins try to mount a comeback and the Flyers stop them? I think it'll be four to two without an empty netter, and I think that it'll be three to two, and the Flyers will go up four to like two. Early in the third, mid third, yeah, probably early in the third. Okay, yeah, that means something, you know. I, I know, I know, I know, but it's still hard to it's hard to predict these games. I just <laughs> think I can speak for all of us and all the fans. But I, I just, I hope, I hope they prove a lot of our confidence with this this next stretch of games because it's going to be really important because they're they're above 500 but that doesn't really matter in, in in today's nhl i mean you've got to be well above 500 to have any shot at making the playoffs so oh, i man. i hope that they can go on a little run here it's set up for man i mean the, the teams that the teams that they want to beat the teams that are going to be in front of them you know uh, or, or near them come playoff time those are the teams that are playing now um i would assume elliot will get the start against pittsburgh maybe maybe hart gets a start against new jersey uh, and then obviously hard again. I mean Elliot again against Toronto. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm predicting a perfect three and zero. Jack and Kyle, I'm sure you guys see three and zero as well, right? I see one one and one. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, are you I mean I hope I they, two they, and they one. beat Pittsburgh and lose the other two. I can come to terms with that because I just I and they do play Pittsburgh good and they play them even better in Pittsburgh. So yeah, I, I mean we'll see. All right. Kyle, you got two and one. Who you got them losing against? I got them losing against Toronto. That back-to-back is going to kill them. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one, man. Toronto is off from Tuesday to Saturday. They don't play a game until Saturday. They play tomorrow night, and then they don't play until Saturday. And we have to play back-to-backs after playing two division rivals. Hey, don't, don't let Raider Frank hear you right now. Uh, let him hear me. <laughs> Frank, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, we love you. Uh, but just, just listen to this real quick. I mean, tell me what comes to mind when I say this. So they, this team has been able to score. They, they got just from game one to wherever they're at now, they've scored four, four, two, one, three, one, six, four, seven, three. I mean, that's a, it's a lot more higher goals than I've seen. I, they haven't been shut out yet. They had oh two. Oh my god! You games. had to say it. 
But I'm just saying this team, can, <laughs> they, they're scoring. They can put together th- th- these lines. Could, you know, if the goaltending could just be adequate, I mean, there is a little bit to worry about with them playing better teams. But they, were gonna see they goals, can score, baby. man. I goals mean, they galore, can score, baby. They can score, and that's, that should go, you know. They're going to make it rain on the pens. I would, that would be fantastic. That's good. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean, that's pretty much going to do it for us. Dan, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we look forward to talking again soon, man. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Get, get your plugs out there, man. No, I was going to say thanks, guys. This is this is awesome. It's uh, it's really fun coming on with you guys. Uh, Jim, you're one of like the most rational guys on, on Twitter, which is refreshing because there's going to be people still four years from now who are going to like, even though they know that Hayes is really good, you know, they won't they won't admit it. But like you're you're one of the guys on Twitter who, if you know, if 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 you know you said something that maybe you now disagree with you don't stick to it because of pride i've always admitted or uh, admired that about about you on twitter so keep, i appreciate keep that. that up man and uh yeah fa- fans can follow me on twitter at uh d silver 88 and then uh, also got my own podcast with uh my co-host mark gianone over uh, at getting bullied um and we represent the site uh at philly is fine so those are the the places to follow me on on twitter and thanks again guys really appreciate you having me on Anytime, Dan. Our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Dan Silver. Dan, we'll talk again soon, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, Dan. All right. The man. The one and only. He's awesome, huh? Fantastic. <laughs> no, he knew, he knew his stuff. It was a pleasure talking to him. Uh, I think we actually agree on most stuff, to be honest with you, which is... Uh, I love talking hockey nice. with Dan, man. Yeah. No, he's, like you said, the rational is definitely the word. You know what I you know what I really like about him is you know if he has an opinion he he stands by his opinion you know he's not going to kind of you know and and I'm talking about while you're while you're kind of arguing with him he's going to he believes what he believes and this is why he believes it and that's it and and that's something that I kind of admire and I enjoy talking hockey with him because of that um, like like for example like just because I don't like Gossespear I'm not going to convince him that he stinks because he thinks he's good you know what I mean yeah, you're curious to see why he feels the way he does, and you just come to some kind of understanding about it. You can agree to disagree, but you, yeah. One thing I admire that he actually said about you is something I look for in people as well. I don't like if somebody's wrong about something, but they try to to warp it to fit their narrative. Right. You know, and it's like, no, don't change what's actually <laughs> going on to fit your narrative, or you know, or sometimes people just change the narrative, but it, that's a little more obvious and easier to to find. But like, you know, just just be humble, you know, like I'll, I'll be like things that we don't like if they like turn around and they're fine. You, you just say how it is. Like, I'll tell you right now, I, I didn't think that keeping JVR, Giroux and Voracek on the same line was a smart move. They took off the last two games after I said that, <laughs> like, yeah. especially JVR. You know what I mean? So it's just like, OK, well, I was wrong. You know what I mean? I thought it was stupid. I was wrong. And, you know, and people who would try to warp it, like, oh, it's because of this and that. It's very, it's aggravating to listen to that, you know, and it's just like, I see what you're doing here. Don't do that. We have friends that are like that, Jimmy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, don't even start. Don't drop any yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, and it irks us to our core. So I totally get what he was saying. He was totally <laughs> respected at all. He's, he feels like he's the same way. And yeah, he's a good guy, man. Really, really yeah. good guy. He's got, you know, he's, he's got strong opinions and he sticks to his, his opinions, which is something cool. Um, Kyle, are you still there? I am. I'm just listening to you two ladies talk. Oh, 
So what's wrong with being a lady? Yeah, what's wrong? With what if I identify as a lady Flyers fan? Huh? <laughs> her, his, her, whatever the hell, man. It's my pronouns. We are just we. <laughs> We're just we, bro. Um, so yeah, I mean, you guys want to wrap this up? We, uh, you know, we won't drag this out any longer. We had a, a cool giveaway that we did. Uh, what, what was it? Last Tuesday now. Kyle, you, uh, you see, it was cooler than cool, that's for sure. Oh yeah, it ended up being a lot, you know, a lot cooler than we ever thought it was going to be. I mean, you know, there's some good people out there, that's for damn sure. Kyle, you want to elaborate a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, so we gave our ticket away uh, to Adam Aguado, end up winning the tickets from us uh, completely by chance. For the record, it was a random selection. He won the tickets. He contacted me the following day uh, stating that he wanted to give his tickets to a individual that he's um, friends with on Twitter and Facebook who had lost his father the day before our giveaway. And, and, you know, dude, it just struck me to the core. I'm like, we got to do this. Like, this is amazing. I mean, what better feeling than you know you give somebody free tickets and the first thing they think of is to give them to somebody who's in a situation that just seems like terrible i mean it's very unfortunate and this person stepped up and said you know what this person deserves them more than me and I mean, like, I'm at a loss for words, honestly. It's just amazing. It's one of the most unselfish things I've seen done in uh, quite a while. And it's nice to see with a lot, because it's happened through Twitter. And to see how toxic Twitter can be, to have something like this happen is just absolutely fantastic. And it's great that it's a listener of our show on top of that. Yeah, you know, Really good point by you right there, Jack. It's true. And, yeah, it, it's just it just shows you – that um, yeah, as I said, Twitter's toxic, but you can still be surprised, and it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's just a a plus plus human being, and we're more than happy to be involved in this. And yeah, it's Aguado is the man. <laughs> Aguado, yeah, absolutely. Aguado. So I had the chance to talk to uh, Rahid a little bit last night. You know, his his father did pass away, and uh, you know, we're we're sorry for your loss, Rahid, but um. You know, hopefully this makes up for it a little bit. Give you some time to take your mind off things. Um, and we hope you have fun at the game, dude. I mean, two tickets to a Flyers game. I got to be honest with you guys. If I won two free tickets to the Flyers, the first the first thing I would think would not be who, who I can give them away to. And, and Adam, for you, for you to think that way, dude, is absolutely, it, it's awesome. If, if, you know, if you can reach out and touch somebody in that way and, and you know, warm their heart with, with Flyers tickets, I think that's fucking great. That's awesome, dude. So kudos to both you guys. Uh, Rahid, hope you have fun at the game. Adam, we, we do have something for you. We're going to, we have a, a, an autographed picture. I mean, it's, it's not Flyers tickets, dude. So it's going to see, hopefully it doesn't seem like a disappointment, but I got an autographed <laughs> picture of Sammy Kapanen for you. Um, so we're, we're not going to leave you out there, out to dry. Um, yeah, just just an awesome situation that developed, and you know there, there are good people in the world. Uh, you know, no matter what Twitter tries to tell you, an unselfish player, you know, picture signed for an unselfish man. I mean, it just seems. <laughs> super- 
really good there. I actually did not think about that, but really, really cool thing right there. So and he was a good dude. What can you say? Yeah, I loved Kapanen. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, Adam, that that's cool enough for you. And then Raheed, hope you enjoy the tickets, man. Uh, anything else, guys? Before we wrap up, I think we yeah, we hit it all. Covers everything. Yeah, pretty uh, action-packed episode. Thanks once again to our guest. Uh, guys, where can people find you on uh, on the Twitter? Jack underscore HW Radio. Let's keep it going. You can find me at WarnerKyle29. Sweet, simple, to the point. Come at me. Come check out Kyle's keys. Kyle's go. keys are great. I mean, last week when you gave your handle, I was a little depressed. You're very much Kyle. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry, I had to work on that for you. I, you know, exactly. I felt it. I felt it in the bones, man. That was we were great. like, man, you know, that was just disappointing. That was good. <laughs> this week, good, but you brought up Kyle's keys, which is what, like, ninety-nine percent of the time, correct? I'm telling you what, dude. If the Flyers just followed Kyle's keys every game, they'd be on fire right now because the All games wins, they, they win. Kyle's keys. Kyle's they keys. Follow they- my keys to a T predicted JVR, Voracek, and Drew coming to life, and sure enough, Elliot stand, stands on his head still, sure enough, all saw it, all first, Kyle Skis, show stamps, prove it, said it first, they followed. When they didn't follow, went off script, they got smoked. So, hey, Kyle Skis. They, they only followed one key last game and ended up getting smoked. And that was what, show up on time? <laughs> no, I said, get a quick start. They scored a <laughs> yeah, minute and yeah, 20 right. seconds in. Boom, there you go. We had the check and then that was all she wrote and look what happened. <laughs> they have they have been unsurprisingly, I must say, accurate. Which I find it fantastic. I find it amazing. I, how do you do it? Are you in the locker room? I, <laughs> actually I'm coaching. I don't know if you know that, but uh I I don donned the Elaine Vignot costume. <laughs> and I, I get out there. <laughs> Are you going to be Elaine Vigneault for Halloween? Is that what you mean? I might as well. Oh, I sure. mean, this is a good... I, I got to learn some French. Throw it up on the Twitter. Boom. You, you know French already, dude. Go ahead. I have, I have not a lick of French in me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you like some? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm not French. We're yeah. getting delirious, fellas. I think we should wrap it up. All right, all right, all right. So you can find me uh, <laughs> at Angry Jim HW. Make sure you follow the podcast uh, at HW underscore radio underscore on Twitter, Instagram at HW underscore radio, Facebook, search high and wide radio, and make sure you follow the account. And yo, subscribe to the podcast while you're at it, guys. You're listening. Why, why not subscribe? Get the, Get the update as soon as we put it up. And uh, who knows? Maybe next time we do a ticket giveaway, you'll be the winner. So congratulations. Maybe you'll once... give to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. If it was me, I can't say Take that I would. Take it forward. <laughs> uh, so congratulations once again once again to Adam and uh, Raheed, our, our contest winners. And we're going to sign off, guys. We'll be back next, uh, next Tuesday, hopefully talking about three wins. So Seacrest out. High and wide, free advertising.